our apologies there for you wait, folks waiting for the national news feed at 9 o'clock. It wasn't there. So let's do this, Matt. Uh, the uh, president will deliver his State of the Union address tomorrow night. That will run here at Cairo News Radio from 6 p.m. until 8 p.m., preempting the Cairo Nights show for the first hour. We'll have a recap of that at 8 o'clock. Matt Markovich from Cairo News Radio will join us for a look at what's going on in Olympia, as well as a recap of the president's State of the Union address tomorrow. Internationally, thousands killed. A huge earthquake and its aftershocks hit Turkey and Syria. Crews release toxic chemicals from derailed train cars in Ohio. Suspects arrested for alleged a plot to attack Baltimore's power grid. All these can be found at CBS.com. We apologize again, CBSnews.com. We can apologize for the uh, technical snafu <clears throat> at the top of the hour, I can assure you. Matt has been drug tested both prior to tonight's show and since the incident at the top of the hour. And I passed with flying colors. <laughs> you sure did. You didn't have to write your name on the test strip like that, but I admire your marksmanship. Well done, my friend. Let's talk for let's do that. Let's talk just for a second about the uh, conspiracy to attack Baltimore's power grid. Two <clears throat> white supremacists were arrested in my hometown of Baltimore for uh, a plot to attack the power grid of Baltimore, Maryland. Two folks who said their agenda was racially motivated, uh, who had been actually speaking with an undercover FBI agent over a year ago as our our criminal justice system takes great uh, great efforts, painstaking efforts, to figure out Who's doing what in this country to infiltrate extremist groups, to monitor extremist activity on social media? And these knucklehead chuckle bucks from Baltimore, my hometown, I couldn't be prouder today. That's sarcasm, folks. To see that, uh, well, I, I, I couldn't be prouder of the law enforcement community. You know, because these were folks from the from the suburban outskirts of Baltimore. Names that will mean nothing to you guys, but... Catonsville, Reisterstown, Norrisville, Perry Hall, a lot of the communities on the suburban fringes of of Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore is a very, very African-American-centric urban city with Democratic leadership for, the, for decades now. And the city has earned a horrible reputation for crime, drugs. It's a city deprived of investment. In its, uh, in its core, its citizens deprived of opportunities. We always say that it's, it's America's where you can lift yourself up by your bootstraps and make the most of your life. Just work hard. We can say that from a perspective where we've had opportunities to do so. That's not always the case in major urban cities. And you can say that's because of the Democratic leadership that's led those cities for decades. And you would be partially correct. You would also should take into account the lack of federal investment in those cities, often by Different political parties, both political parties, but most often, if you're going to fault democratically run major cities for their troubles, please cite lack of investment in those cities from quite often Republican administrations. But it's not a political issue. It's a hate issue. It's a race issue. It's people that just want to make life miserable for people of other races. 
And as somebody that's part of that race of idiots right now, trying to attack the power grid of Baltimore, I just, I, I don't know how we get past that. You know, I talked a minute ago about how we should have more guardrails for honesty and, and truth in our news. Well, I know that there are attempts to make hate speech and various other topics illegal to stop the spread of that information on social media. That's how they caught people like the two criminals busted in Baltimore for trying to take out the power grid. You ever notice how when people get uh, busted for some sort of crime and they're affiliated with quote unquote white supremacist groups that they're not doing anything really supreme? They're not. They're not exactly. They're not exactly doing things like, let's say, you know, some massively oh, charitable thing that would reflect well right. on the white people of their community or whatever. It's it's always some messed up criminal insurrectionist yeah. kind of thing. It's like that's not a way no, to prove your point. I hear you. You know, you never see the headline: white supremacist group vows to end poverty and hunger among all white children in America. Exactly. To make sure all white children in America have a new backpack full of books, school supplies this coming fall. That's never, you know, it's funny you mention that because there are groups we deem terrorist groups around the world, groups like Hamas in the Middle East, who, who, who do commit acts of terror. But what they do is they win over the population by doing humane acts, civil service acts within the communities that they, they live amongst in the Middle East. You know, Hamas is the number one distributor of medical supplies or whatever it might else be, food. To, to their communities. They win the hearts and minds. You don't see that from white supremacist groups. You don't see any kind of supremacy in their thinking or their actions. There's just this preconception that they are superior by, by right of birth and by uh, pigment of their skin. That's what makes them superior. And uh, their actions and all evidence to the contrary. And I'm, I'm, we're speaking about extremism, folks. We're not speaking about entire races of people. We're not generalizing about races of people. We're talking about extremist groups who harken back for a romanticized time when this was a great country and wasn't going to hell in a handbasket. And it seems to me the folks that, you know, ushering us off to hell in a handbasket are usually the ones, like Matt said, doing less than supreme things. Anyway, I'm sure CBS would have done a much more concise recap of the national news stories than we tried to give you here. Ah. There's a story on NPR, and I hope you don't turn the channel just because I use the letters NPR. If you think that's some snowflake domain where no opposing views can be heard and nothing you disagree with will, you know, nothing you hear will ever be valid. This is a pretty pretty easygoing NPR story. It says, do not use the words sorry or, 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 or do not use these words when you apologize. I, I apologize for that. Do not use these words when you apologize. It's time to stop, researchers say. There's something very powerful about receiving a receiving or giving a heartfelt, genuine apology. Bad apologies, on the other hand, can be disastrous and lead to even more hurt. There's a new book, Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. It draws from a broad range of research to explain the power of apologies. While we don't always get good ones and the best way to tell someone that you're sorry... Co-authors uh, Marjorie Ingle and Susan McCarty break down the six and a half, sorry, 
Steps to Great Apologies. These are six and a half steps to great apologies. They are, say you're sorry. Not that you regret doing something or that you were devastated. Just say you're sorry. Step two is to say what you're sorry for, what you're apologizing for. Be specific. Like, not only I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry I said that this thing. Be specific about what you're apologizing for. Number three, show you understand why it was bad. Take ownership and show that you understand why you caused hurt. Step four is don't make excuses. Hey, man, I'm really sorry. I was hungover. I got a lot going on. There's a lot in my life that's difficult and you that detracts and undermines the value of you actually apologizing for something. Number five, Say it won't happen again, and what steps are you taking to make sure that it won't happen again? I'm sorry. That's never going to happen again. I'm working hard to be better informed and more understanding of your point of view. If it's the the final step, step six, if it's relevant, make reparations. Look, I'm sorry, and and I'm going to pay for the dry cleaning. Just send me the bill. I'm going to do the best to fix what I did. So again, the, the six steps to a good apology. Say you're sorry. Don't, don't, don't regret having hurt your feelings. Don't say I'm devastated by what happened. Just say you're sorry and stop. Say what it is you're apologizing for. Be specific. Show you understand why it was bad and take ownership. Four, don't make excuses. Five, say it won't happen again and what steps you're taking to ensure that doesn't happen again. And six, if it's relevant, make reparations. Do your best to fix what you did. We've all screwed up. We've all had the need to apologize before. I personally can tell you that I've made every one of those mistakes. Hey, man, sorry sorry if I hurt your feelings. Don't qualify it. Just, hey, I really regret that that happened. Sorry, man. Just, just say, hey, look, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry that it hurt your feelings because I know that you care more, blah, 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 whatever the details are. It's important to give it's important to when you when you screw up to own it. The ownership part might be the most important thing for me. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry that I can't get beyond ridiculing someone's point of view if we differ. Something I'm working on. I genuinely am trying to be more understanding, empathetic, open-minded about the people I agree with and the people that I offend. Just making an effort to be better. You ever blown an apology, Matt? You ever really had something you needed to apologize for and just didn't do it well? Oh, probably. I've dated before. (laughs) Sometimes, (laughs) amen, Sometimes it helps to write out an apology. But see, because I like to write, then the apology becomes like five pages. That's exactly. very self-serving. Exactly. And, and that's, that's a great point. Most times we apologize to make ourselves feel better. Most times we apologize because we feel so guilty about doing something stupid or something, you know, just mean and spiteful intentionally. 
We feel so guilty about it. We over-apologize or we apologize so that we feel better. And the real genuine need and purpose of an apology is to show remorse and show the person that's been hurt or offended that you understand what you did was wrong and it had consequences that hurt someone else and showing them you are genuinely remorseful and are sorry that you did that to them. Making yourself feel better is should not be part of the equation. That should just happen because you apologized. It can, doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to. You can still have tons of guilt. Part of recovery when you are an addict or an alcoholic is to come clean, be honest with people, right? But it's not to make yourself feel better. It's to let them know that you hurt them and you are aware that you hurt them. It can be tough giving a good apology. You really can. It's, it's a difficult step. You always want to go too far. You always want to say more than you should. So that's just keep those simple steps. Hey, I'm sorry I did that. I know it offended you and was thoughtless. I promise I will do my best to not do something like that to you again. And leave it. That's the hard part. Not saying, hey, man, I was having a bad day. Not making excuses, you know. And I hate those, hey, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. That puts the, 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 that puts it back on the victim. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry you weren't man enough to take, take criticism. You know, that's, that's hollow. It's meaningless. It's pointless. You're wasting your time and the, and the other person's time. Don't qualify. Just say you're sorry and shut up. I'm working on getting better at it. Here's a texter, Paul in T-Town. Spike, for me, repentance begins with the three R's. Recognize what you did, repenting for what you did, and then restoration. Those are good. The three R's. Recognizing what you did wrong, repenting for what you did wrong, and restoration of the consequences. I like that. Thanks, Paul. Oh. Oh, Matt responded to a texture. I'm proud of you, buddy. You are good. You didn't apologize for my behalf, did you? Oh, no. No apologies. <laughs> Just merely explaining. Uh, Just justifications. A text. I know. I'm, I'm doing. I'm good. <laughs> text says, I'm sorry, Spike. No excuses. Hey, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> text says, Joe Biden should apologize that he ruined the country, but he can't, and he can't fix it. But he can't fix it. Okay. Well, I will, uh, I will respectfully disagree and leave it at that and say that we've all got the right to our opinions. Yeah, we do. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Not sorry. Boy, I hate that one. Sorry, not sorry. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Here's one you'll never get an apology for. King County and Seattle eliminate employee vaccine mandates. And I don't think there's any need to apologize. King County says they will eliminate employee vaccine mandates, as will Seattle. 
that only require proof of vaccine against COVID-19 as a condition for employment effective today. That's according to a press release. The vaccine mandate was an effective and necessary tool for protecting the health and safety of coworkers, city workers, and the public we serve, said Mayor Bruce Harrell, rooted in our shared values of safety and health equity. We will continue to follow this approach as we respond in, to next steps in the pandemic and continue to advance efforts to ensure a thriving and equitable recovery for all Seattle's residents and neighbors. And I hated hearing people thumping their chest today about the vaccine, about the vaccine mandates, because we may never agree on whether it was the right thing to do or not. But what I can tell you, and I think you can believe, is that those criticizing the decisions made by public health officials have the hindsight of, excuse me, have the benefit of hindsight. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Sorry, I misspoke. They have the benefit of hindsight. Public health officials were doing the best they had with the information on hand at the time they made these decisions. And I believe they erred on the side of caution rather than take unnecessary chances with public health. Remember when we went into this pandemic almost three years ago, it was an unknown entity, this virus. And the initial initial evidence was that it was deadly. And we were doing the best we could to find out what it was, what its causes were and how to protect ourselves against it. And in doing so, when the vaccine was available, it was mandated that employees get vaccinated. After the vaccine was released, by the way, 97% of those hospitalized were unvaccinated. Not half, not 60, 97% of those hospitalized after the release of the COVID-19 vaccine 97% 97% of those hospitalized were unvaccinated. So it's I think it's pretty safe to say that the vaccine helped people from serious injury or even death. It didn't stop you from catching COVID. It stopped you from dying from COVID. And of course, when the Omicron variants came along, those vaccines became less effective. But that's again drawn from the benefit of hindsight. It's easy to look back and see where we made mistakes and point fingers or make accusations. It's harder to when you're trying to build an airplane in flight. At least we got landed, most all of us. We lost a lot of folks. It's Cowboy Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill. We'll be right back after these. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Spike O'Neill, Matt Butler. As we mentioned, Ozzy won two Grammys last night. Ozzy and Sharon have moved back to England. That was last summer. Remember, Sharon said, this country is just losing their minds. The gun violence in America is just not worth the, the daily worries to our family. So we're going to leave the United States and move back to England. And Ozzy announced last week that at 73, he had to cancel his upcoming scheduled tour and due to health reasons would not be touring again. It's tough. Feel, feel bad. Ozzy put on a great show for decades. Saw Ozzy many, many times over the years live. The story that Lisa had in the news about the AMC, the movie theater chain, is going to start charging for better movie seats. That just to me, okay, that's, 
That's the that's the worst. I can't really. I I get it when you're at a live show or a concert or a ball game and better seats cost more money. I guess it was inevitable that movie theaters would do the same. Is there going to be like it's a it's a, a first class. It's first class at the movie theater. And that's what, Matt, you think um Ooh, that's a good I mean, that's first class is different things to different people at the movie theater. For me, a first class movie experience would be like, have you heard of this chain called the Alamo Draft House? Mm-mm. It's a, a group of theaters in Texas. I think they're based in the Austin area. And they serve like really good food. They have a great craft beer menu. Like it's a really luxe experience. Over stuff like reclining chairs is really cool. Have you heard of Cinnabar? I have not. Local, th- uh, and I'll make sure they're still around. Yep. Uh, Cinnabar in Montlake, I believe, has one. Cinnabar in Bellevue, Issaquah. It's a, it's a movie theater with a bar. You can drink and eat at your seat. Every row has a walkway between it and the row in front of you. Uh, every seat has a small bar that stretches the length of the row. They took out like every other row. And you can have the menus are there. You can order food and drinks to be brought to you during the movie. Top shelf. <laughs> I made the horrible mistake. I took my kid one day to see a movie at Cinnabar, and she was about 12, and I, I just didn't realize. I, I knew it was, I knew. I'd been there. I knew what kind of bar, what, what kind of movie theater it was. And I just brain farted. And we buy these tickets, and I we go to go in, and I'm, I'm walking, and, and the guy's like, you, does, does she have ID? She can't come in here. And I'm like, well, and I looked at, oh, my God. I pulled up out front. I walked the building. I was completely just oblivious. Like, okay, you're right. I'm a moron. They were kind enough to refund my tickets because I'm that stupid. A place I had been to prior, knew was a an adult movie theater. Now, don't make, don't, that's, take that, save that one for later for the Christmas party. Spike O'Neill takes his kid to an adult movie theater. Um, to an, to a, <laughs> I don't know how to say that without making it sound ridiculous. Anyway, they exist in Seattle. They're called Cinnabar, C-I-N-E-B-A-R-R-E. Bellevue, Issaquah. And uh, Montlake Terrace, I believe, is still open. Have you been to one of these theaters that have, like, the beds that you can lie down in? No. And I'm not sure where those are, but I've seen them advertised. I've seen you news sure stories about them. sure not one of the earlier sort of theaters we were discussing? No, it's not. <laughs> no one's filming. You know. um, no, they have, like, fully reclining. I mean, the, I've been to theaters with the big chairs. There's some of those in town now. The the you know the, the the great experience where every seat is a leather reclining chair. Your feet go up. There's a cup rest on your arm, your chair, you know, and you pay a little bit more for those. I would hate to think that you're going to pay more at the theater and sit in the same sticky seat everybody else gets. If they, you know if they're going to charge premium prices for premium sight lines in a theater, they should at least make sure that that first class section, just like an airplane has the best seats, has those leather reclining seats. At that point, you know, if you can afford it, if it's a movie you really want to see and you want the the, the experience of seeing a great movie in a theater, because we've talked to Frank Summerall many times and we're going to talk to him again this week about the, the movie experience, whether it's the product on the screen, the actors bringing it to us, or the entire concept of going out to see cinema in a theater. If it's if it's the kind of experience where you've got a cushy leather chair and you're in the best the best place to see a movie for me 
above the walkway in the middle. So you're looking directly at or down on the screen. Centered, of course. And not too far up. So, you know, I like to be in the first handful of rows from the walkway. I think that's the best place from my perspective to see a theater. Now, if you're taking a date to a movie and you want the back row, you know, that's you got different priorities. Somebody just wants to see a good movie. Don't sell those kids those beds that recline, by the way. That should be an 18 plus, I think. Those where you can lay down on a bed. You ever try to watch a movie from the front row? You walk in, it's the last seat that's available because it's an insanely popular movie and you got there late. And you go, I, I've been to movies that were so popular on like opening weekends that there weren't any two seats left and you had to break up your group, sit one person here, one person there, one person over there because there's only singles left. That's a tough way to watch a movie. But I've tried to watch movies from the very front row and you are literally looking up the entire time and you're so close to the screen that you've got to do a full turn with your head over here to see this side of the screen, this side over there. It's horrible. I've gotten motion sickness sitting in the front row of a theater before because you're, you're moving your head so much to catch all the action, especially in a, in a big action movie with lots of car chases or dinosaurs or whatever, explosions. I can't watch those from the front row. I, I just can't do it. I guess it was inevitable that theaters would start to find a way to upsell and upcharge us like airplanes do. You know, you can't afford first class, but you want like three inches more legroom. Want to not taste your knees during the flight? We'll sell you those like, you know, premium seats with like three inches more legroom. That's only, you know, what, 60, 70, 80 bucks more. Everything. Everything. You can carry a bag on. Most airlines don't give you a free bag anymore unless you're in first class. You have to pay a baggage fee just to bring a flight, bring a bag onto a flight. People have taken it, you know, nowadays you... You buy luggage that is built to fit the overhead. You got luggage that is built to to beat the $50 baggage fee. Everything's an upcharge. It's always been that, well, it's not always, but it's been that way for a long time in the air. Now it's coming to your movie theater. You're right about seeing the theater with good food and drink, though. That's a great experience. That is the best of both worlds. And Cinnabar, if you're listening, Matt and I would love to come see a movie. We'll give you all the, <laughs> I believe we signed something against payola, plugola, didn't we? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not begging for free tickets. But you can invite us to social events. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Matt, I'll take you. I'll take you to a, th- a show. We'll go to the Cinnabar. If there's anybody else that knows of it, is there another franchise in this area that has a theater that serves alcohol, that serves good food? The bonus to that is if the movie is awful, you just really don't care. The more you drink, the better they act. It's great. <laughs> I, I like seeing a theater. I think a movie in a theater. I really do. I like the big screen experience. I like the smell of, of movie theater popcorn. I can make better popcorn at home, of course. But I like the I like the experience of movie theater popcorn. You know? I hate paying the prices. For concessions, though, you make a, no pun intended, you make a concession when you go to a theater to see a movie. You ever sneak food in? You sneak in the bag? I have not. You, you really? I have never done that. I'm, I'm very proud of you right now. I, was, I would venture to bet that nobody hasn't snuck snacks 
into a theater. Well, part of it was for me is the self-indulgence of spending on the snacks at the movie theater. Yeah. Like the special candies and stuff that you don't normally buy. Right, right. So for me, splurging was just part of the experience. And you got to factor that into the cost of going out. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Oh, a texter from the 425 points out, the McMenamins in Bothell, they have built a small movie theater into their uh, McMenamins Lodge. I guess it's it's an, an, an inn. Are you familiar with the McMenamins, by the way? Somewhat, yeah. Okay, we got to do that. So that's what we got to do. McMenamins have bought these old buildings around town, various uh, a school building in one town, a golf resort in another town, and they make them into great brew pub restaurants with great beer and food in these various old and antiquated buildings, antique buildings. But they've got one in, in Bothell that used to be a school building, a school administration building, and that one has a theater in it that serves food and drinks. Thanks for the tip, 425. Ken Station, soft-serve butter and salt. Ooh, so, oh, self-serve butter and salt. Yeah, I like the place where you can put your own butter and salt. That's a good spot, too. Yeah, I've been in one of those before. <sighs> Oh, this one says McMenamins used to serve food and had alcohol drinks. I'm going to check in whether that still happened or not. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back after this with more of your texts. Thanks for being part of the show tonight. We had a great time. We'll have your input when we come back. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. Oh, gosh, I appreciate you guys. Always have great information for us. The McMenamins in Bothell has a similar movie theater with drinks and food. Nice. Let's see. Kent Station has saw a self-serve butter and salt. That's always a great deal. Lizette Linwood, sorry to now out you, but I always sneak candy and soda into a movie theater. It's so expensive. Uh... Goodfellas says McMenamins in Tacoma is fantastic. Different bars, depending on how casual or fancy you want to be. That's always a nice option. Uh, Ed from the uh, 360 says, as a diabetic, I sneak small snacks into the movie theater. Just helps me, you know, because they don't have options for me. I'm a diabetic. I do buy diet soda there, though. Spend a little bit with them. Uh, Gary says, uh, there's a place that he enjoys... He used to install theater quality sound system, even better than movie theaters have. There's a place called the Uptown Lounge. High class fare, you get dinner, reclining chairs, and small crowd theaters. There's another one in Bremerton. Says it's great. Uh, cinema will rapidly become experiences over film. Good times ahead. Watching a movie with family will become a thing again. I'm good. That's good. Uh, but the 253 says, I'm sorry, if I had a drink in a leather recliner, I would sleep right through any movie. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I got to admit. We talked a little about the, uh, <laughs> the balloon. Well, we, we were talking about the balloon and we were talking about TV coverage and news and integrity. And I was talking about my hometown of Baltimore about, I've got a couple on the, on the news thing, but this one, before I, before I lose it. My hometown of Baltimore, and those clam dips that tried to take out the power grid. And a texter said, have you ever seen The Wire in Baltimore? I said, are you kidding me? And I wrote back, of course, when I was tending bar in Baltimore, I used to drive through five nights a week at three o'clock in the morning. I would drive through the community where they shot The Wire, those projects in southern Baltimore. 
I used to drive that way home five nights a week after the bars closed. I can remember running red lights down there and being pulled over by the police, looking the cop dead in the eye and said, officer, I'm just trying to get home safely. I didn't feel like stopping at that intersection would have been in my best interest. He's like, okay, just be careful getting home. Let's not run any more red lights. You're out of a dangerous neighborhood now. I swear it happened. Uh, the 564 in regard to information on TV and whether we can trust the news, actions speak louder than words. How about apologies? Let's see. Oh, with the balloon. And this one with the balloon. Did you see the Senate Live this week? They opened up with the balloon. It's kind of a cheesy bit. But they did say that they, uh, they had a military expert on and Keenan Thompson. Who set up Thompson? Who set up? You know, we were surprised that the balloon was able to get past our West Coast anti-balloon defense system, the Seattle Space Needle. <laughs> it was really, it was a nice joke. Oh, with the uproar on the Grammys, let's get to the Grammy stuff. The unholy Smith and Petrus. Yeah, my two favorite Jesus sayings says the texter. Whoever was without sin cast the first stone because the right did lose their mind. And Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Ain't that the truth? Let's see. Oh, Aaron G. is going to see Samara Joy. We played a little Samara Joy, new artist of the year winner. Going to see them in concert next month. I'm going to have to find out where. It really does look like a good thing. When will Spike O'Neill F off and die? I don't know. I don't know, Carl. Not sure when that's going to happen, but with my dietary habits and the way I don't exercise, probably won't be too long for you. You just hang in there, buddy. If you um, could predict the future, you wouldn't be in this business. I'll be out here before you know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And we, we talked about how a reporter in the UK said, unknown blues artist beats Beyonce for her record of the year. <laughs> that, of course, would be the, the amazing Bonnie Raitt. That's something that can't sound intelligent even when you say it in a British accent. Seri- seriously. The 360 says, Bonnie Raitt unknown? Ha ha ha. That night, or excuse me, that song made my night and made the award show, and I couldn't agree with you more. Thanks so much for all your input tonight, guys. We appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Matt, take care of your voice. I will do that. Uh, get some sleep, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Thanks for being a part of this. Good night, everybody.